This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, you know, video technology and not being tied to a particular location or boardroom has really opened the doors for common interest or specialty theme clubs that bring members even closer together in their pursuit of better communication and leadership skills. And our guest today has done some research in that area. Who are we speaking with today, Ryan? Our guest today is Megan Preston Meyer. Megan is a member of TM International Club Zug in Zug, Switzerland, and a regular contributor to the Toastmaster magazine. She's the author of the book series, The Supply Chain and FIFO Adventures. Megan's article, What's Your Specialty?, is published in the February 2022 issue of The Toastmaster. Megan Preston Meyer, welcome to The Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Megan, when we think of specialty theme clubs, we might think of business clubs, marketing, PR, project management, perhaps even bilingual clubs, or maybe even humor clubs. Typically, they're mostly related directly to communication and leadership, or maybe it's to the business of the corporate club. Now it seems to have branched out into areas of personal interest and hobby. Can you tell us about this new landscape? Yeah, there are so many different specialty clubs out there. Almost any hobby, pastime, interest that you can think of, you can find a Toastmasters club. I had no idea that these all existed until I started doing a little bit of research. Whether you like to cook, whether you're a photographer, whether you're into sci-fi, there are specialty clubs out there for you. Megan, I can imagine the online format using uh, software like Zoom has probably brought on some of this explosion, allowing people with these diverse interests to connect from different parts of the world. But the concept of specialty-themed clubs is actually not new. It's not at all. In fact, some of the the clubs that I talked to, in particular Lensmasters, the specialty club out of California that's focused on photography, they've been around for 10 years. They started long before Zoom was even a twinkle in its creator's eye and have just kept going. They made the switch to online, like all clubs everywhere had to. And I think they've grown a little bit because of that. But Lensmasters was meeting in person long ago. Readership Toastmasters, another one that I featured in the article, um, they're focused on leadership books. And they started meeting in person quite a while ago as well. So the concept isn't new, but like you say, it's definitely made easier and the horizons have expanded greatly with Zoom and the relaxing of geographic boundaries. In terms of Lensmasters, do you have a sense of how their club meetings worked before they moved to an online format and and how it's different now? Before they moved to an online format, as I understand it, they would meet in person. They always were a very tech-forward club just by virtue of the fact that they, the bulk of their meeting is focused around photographs. So they always had um, a projector, a PowerPoint. They had some way for the photos to be displayed, especially during their table topics uh, portion of the meeting. So they would display photos, talk about photos, 
Um, and then other than that, I think it looked like most normal in-person Toastmasters meetings. And then since they shifted to Zoom, they've been able to just take that, the PowerPoint format and use that during their online meetings as well. So I think that was, they were in a pretty good place already with the technology to be able to shift into the the online and then hybrid meetings. And in some respects, it's also maybe given them the ability to step it up a notch. Because if you think about it, if you have a presentation prepared or you've gone to your physical location meeting and you go, that wasn't the file I wanted. Oh, maybe I can download it from the internet. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. Then I can adjust it. With the Zoom technology, you can be at your desk already queuing up something else, which leads me into the my next sort of comment and, and question is, for some sitting at their desk or laptop or computer, they have been finding it as a hindrance on their presentation, but yet others have really found that they could take their presentations into high gear, specifically more with demonstrations, like the cooking, for example. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the Kitchen Club. Toastmasters in the Kitchen, um, they are uh, entirely online club. Like you said, the bulk of their club is organized around cooking demonstrations, just like you would see on the Food Network. They go all out. They usually have multiple cameras set up, from what I understand. They have one camera that's focused sort of downward on their cooking surface, whether it's the the oven or the counter, wherever they're doing the actual food prep. They also have a camera focused on them because they are presenting. It's still a Toastmasters club. They're still working on their communication. They really get into it. They are able to use technology in ways that you absolutely couldn't do if it was just an in-person physical meeting. And so I think they've really benefited from um, the advent of Zoom and online meetings. Wow. It's interesting. I was thinking about it when I when I read about it. First of all, it was making me hungry. And ironically, as we we're recording, it is exactly 12 o'clock noon my time. So it's lunchtime. But, <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, our club typically would meet at 7 p.m. on a Thursday. But I still remember two of the demonstrations that stood out. We had one lady that came in and she gave a demonstration on how to make hummus. And another one actually gave a demonstration on an instant pot. And by the end of the meeting, even before the end of the meeting, there was actually soup ready. And I'm thinking that one of the challenges was, of course, bringing all the ingredients, keeping them fresh, keeping them cold, and then, of course, putting everything together and then cleaning up after the fact. The fact that you can do this virtually just makes all the difference. Plus, of course, using the cameras and being able to have that sort of TV-like effect, I think is really great. What I'd love to know a little bit more of, though, is some of the meeting role titles. So you kind of have a nice little twist on the meeting roles. Yeah, this um, Toastmasters in the Kitchen does this really well. They have completely renamed all of the meeting roles. For instance, the meeting is opened by the maitre d', who is the presiding (laughs) officer. The toastmaster of the meeting is the head chef. They also have food critics instead of evaluators. (laughs) The just cherry on top is the timer. They call that the egg timer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> how appropriate yeah and the speakers mm. are chefs i understand too yep 
The one thing about that club is, wouldn't it be great to actually get to taste the food? (laughs) I was thinking that in there, you know, they are, because they're completely online, they have members and guests who join from all over the world. But that would be, you know, um, when you were saying that you had an Instant Pot demonstration and there was soup at the end of the meeting, I bet you got a bite of it. And that is one thing that that Toastmasters in the kitchen doesn't get to share in. I'm curious about the menu or let's just say the agenda. So how would a, (laughs) so how would their meeting typically work? It is still a Toastmasters meeting. They're still following pathways and um, they still have a fairly similar agenda. You would be able to recognize it from any other typical Toastmasters meeting. But obviously they do the cooking demonstrations, which maybe wouldn't be in a typical Pathways project. They also do a food-themed table topics. And this is one of the similarities that most of the specialty clubs have is they go all out on table topics and do something very specific. Another really interesting thing that Toastmasters in the Kitchen does is as part of the cooking demonstration, I don't know about you guys, but when when I'm cooking dinner, especially if I'm by myself, you know, I don't do a lot of chatter, but they do. I mean, that's the Toastmasters part of Toastmasters in the Kitchen. They say that's one of the most challenging bits too, is they're trying to do so many things at once. They're actually preparing a meal. They're trying to maintain good eye contact, good stage presence, and they have to fill in all of this dead air. Um, you know, and there's a lot of it sometimes, depending on how complicated the recipe is. They work in stories sometimes. They can really, it's not just a step one, add an egg, step two, stir. They really <laughs> do some really creative stuff and they can turn these these cooking demonstrations into what we would think of as a speech with an entire structure. It's really wow. impressive. I mean, if I was cutting onions, I wouldn't want to be telling stories. I wanted to just make sure I had five fingers on my hands. <laughs> or you'd be telling a really sad story. No one would notice you crying. <laughs> I think my go-to line would probably be borrowed from celebrity chef Emeril Lagasse. If I lose my place, not sure what to say. Let's kick it up a notch. Bam! <laughs> Throw some garlic in there, (laughs) some cayenne pepper. (laughs) Let's cut to commercial. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, really, we talked a moment ago about not being able to taste the food, but there's no shortage of cooking television shows that people will watch for hours and hours without being able to taste the food, only being able to taste it in their imagination. So I can definitely see the appeal of this club. Another one of the clubs that really caught my attention from your article is Readership Toastmasters. Can you share a little bit about what their unique area of interest is? Yeah, Readership is a combination of reading and leadership. And so it's a book club, primarily. They meet every month and they discuss a leadership book whether it's a, you know, something about productivity or building good habits or an autobiography or biography of an entrepreneur. They choose a book. The speeches will be about that book, topics related to the book itself. So it's not necessarily just a summary of the book. It's not a book report. But then they also have a table topic session 
that discusses the book. So that's where the actual, you know, where you think of a book club, you've got these discussion questions, you go into the concepts in detail. They do that in the table topics and they do it in such a way that the person who's leading the table topics, the table topics master will, will have enough information so that even if one of the members hasn't read the book for that particular meeting, they'll still be able to join it in conversation. They all then report back out. So there's a little bit of the, the Cliff's Notes version there. So even without having read the book necessarily, the, the members and any guests at readership still get the entire gist of the book of the month. And they use the virtual technology in a unique way for table topics as well, don't they? Yeah. This is another one where readership started in person, but they've transitioned to Zoom. And now they're able to use the breakout room feature in Zoom, which is something that I'm not sure that they were doing before, but that really kind of helps with these small group. There's more of a more chance for discussion And like I said, then they each come back and report out on their breakout rooms, uh, discoveries, conclusions. And so the entire group gets a better overview of what was discussed. Wow. What I also found fascinating is that unlike a traditional book club, i.e. a non-Toastmasters book club, the book itself sets the tone for the meeting rather than just being the sole topic of the conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and what are some of the benefits it brings? Like I said, you don't have to read the book. Obviously, it's um, it's recommended. And they do, one of the really cool things I think about readership is that they set their reading schedule for the entire Toastmasters year. So in the springtime, they will set up all of the books for the next year's meeting. So there's there's plenty of advance warning. But at the same time, I mean, these are all leaders. These are entrepreneurs. These are, I mean, we're all busy. We don't always have time to read an entire book every single month. And so that's why, like you said, it's not just a discussion of exactly what's in, you know, within the pages of that particular book. It's more that sets the theme, that sets the overall the specific concept for the meeting. And then there's all sorts of ways that you can pick up some of those themes and look at different aspects, look at different facets, go more in depth and get a really good, a really good holistic view of whatever that leadership concept is. That's awesome. So there's great takeaways, regardless as to whether you read the book or not, or whether you want to read the book or not. And for busy people, there are also audiobooks. <laughs> hinted. <laughs> True. <laughs> Very true. Megan, in your research, what are some of the more unique or novel specialty themed clubs that you've come across that we haven't discussed? Like I said at the beginning, there are so many different types of clubs. I was just astounded. There are wine tasting clubs, sort of similar. There are clubs that meet in different restaurants, or at least when that's possible. They meet in different restaurants and discuss the food, the service. Again, it's another food-themed type of club. There are also debate clubs where a lot of the speeches are are focused more on issues. And then I believe the table topics are more of the, the give and take back and forth actual point and counterpoint Movie clubs. I know there's one club in India um, called Lights, Camera, Action Toastmasters that focuses on films and film lovers. 
Oh, I saw a golf themed club in the United Kingdom. Mm. I don't know a lot more about that. I don't know if the meetings actually take place on the links, but that one sounded sort of intriguing. Just all kinds of specialty clubs. Megan, maybe this is a good opportunity for me to share with you the idea that I have that I'm working on launching for a specialty themed club. And you can let me know what you think. How does that sound? Absolutely. I am working with a small group of people to launch a club that's going to meet exclusively in virtual reality. Like in the metaverse? Like in the metaverse. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be a requirement to join the club to have access to an Oculus Quest 2 or comparable headset. We'll meet in virtual spaces. And that's the basic idea. Oh, wow. That's going to put a whole new spin on the on the body language and the gestures. I mean, the yes. whole stage presence question is going to be completely different in the metaverse. But just like when we when we all switched to media online and we thought, oh, my gosh, we'll never get used to it. Why, you know, or why should we bother getting used to it? But now we we will always have to present on Zoom. We'll still have to present and communicate in person, but having this online presentation skill is going to benefit all of us going forward. And so why wouldn't the metaverse be the next step in that journey? I mean, we're all probably going to have to learn how to give presentations and communicate effectively in the metaverse someday. So it sounds like a good start. Mind if I use this clip in our advertising? <laughs> you sold it better than I could myself. Megan. No, that's such a cool idea. Wow. Oh, that's you. impressive. Megan, I am so impressed that you knew right away this was all about the metaverse. That was amazing. Perhaps you may have listened to episode 196, where we interviewed Melanie Stark and Roberto da Costa about Toastmasters in virtual reality to complement Ryan's article in the January issue of the Toastmaster magazine. Thank you for that tasteful plug, Greg. <laughs> wow. No, and I didn't I, I didn't listen to that episode, but I will have to go back now because that is a really, really cool idea. I can't wait to see how that works. Yeah. And Ryan cool. recently did a presentation for a club where he actually did a virtual presentation. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was for Smedley Chapter 1 Advanced Toastmasters, a club based out of California, meeting virtually and members from all over the world, multiple continents. I gave the presentation, it's called Unlocking the Metaverse, and I had two Zoom feeds. One was my avatar presenting from the Immersed platform, albeit in 2D. And then I had another camera on me showing me wearing my headset, holding the hand controllers in my living room here in Massachusetts. And then I got to see how goofy I looked with my VR gear <laughs> delivering said presentation. So it was fun. Cool. Geez, imagine a virtual cooking presentation. Just have it all virtual and VR. And that's a thing. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> there are cooking demos in VR, believe it or not. I know that when when it's an online club, the rest of the members don't get to try the finished product. But if you're cooking in VR, then do you even get to have a taste of whatever you end up with? <laughs> That's a great point. It I'm tastes like sure. bits and bites, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well played. Yeah, very, very, very good. Well, it's funny because as we're speaking, I'm thinking of all the benefits of these of these specialty themed clubs. And I know in the article, it made reference to the fact that lens masters can help you become a better photographer. Toastmasters in the kitchen can be help you to become a better chef. And I'm really thinking that 
this could be a game changer besides learning new skills, personal satisfaction. I mean, this could even facilitate a career change because if you think right now with the advent of the pandemic, there are a lot of people, they're changing their careers because of a necessity. I'm wondering, Megan, in your mind, what are some of the other benefits that having or becoming or being part of a specialty theme club can bring people? This is a very sort of frivolous benefit, but one thing that I think is really nice about specialty clubs is I know for my own Toastmasters journey, one of the most difficult challenges is figuring out what to talk about. And so at least if you're doing a, if you're in a specialty club, the choices are constrained somewhat. Mm. You know, you have to cook, you know, you have to talk about photography, you know, you have to talk about a science fiction movie that probably isn't going to help anybody as they change careers necessarily, but it, it is a nice extra benefit. More to your point, I think there are tons of benefits, especially if you know what type of career that you want to pivot into. If you find yourself a specialty club that's more aligned with that industry or with that function or with some of the skill sets that you're going to need, I know this is one of the biggest challenges. If, if you switch completely um, your career path, you, you'll need to build the story for a future employer to, you know, to say, hey, I spent the last 10 years in supply chain analytics. And now I want to, you know, I want to be part of your corporate communications team. You need to start building up evidence that you actually can communicate or you actually can serve as a data scientist, whatever the the pivot is. And so if you find a specialty club and you can start immersing yourself in this new world and show that you've presented on topics related to this, that's going to help pad your CV, help you to um, tell the story once you go into interviews in the new industry that you're trying to break into. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm also thinking sometimes it could be something as simple as having more fun. For example, you're trying to improve on your project management or you're trying to improve on some aspect of your career and you've just been working all day in it. Maybe you don't want to spend the next two hours working in that particular environment. But if you join a specialty theme club where you can have a lot of laughs or do something that's a lot of fun, then it would make it a little easier. And that would echo a lot of what Dr. Ralph Smedley said, is that we learn best in moments of enjoyment. I think that's another great reason to embrace a specialty theme club. Absolutely. Yeah, it occurs to me when Toastmasters is done right club meetings are fun. <laughs> that's that's just the way it's supposed to go by design. Picking up on that, I wonder in your experience, Megan, you did mention at least one of the clubs that you said was really in their following pathways. But are you finding that specialty themed clubs are remembering that they're first and foremost a Toastmasters club and actually following the curriculum, the distinguished club plan? Are they being conscientious about these things? They're absolutely um, first and foremost Toastmasters clubs. Every club that I talked to was very conscious of getting their members through the Pathways program. They're all very interested in club growth and maintaining a good, healthy club culture. The leadership, the communication skills are still front and center. They're just couched in one of these these fun themes. And that's actually great. If they're following pathways and of course they're following the Distinguished Club program, that can ensure that they remain healthy. Now I do realize, of course, at the same token is that the pandemic has wreaked havoc on the membership of many clubs. 
And I think we've also have seen Toastmasters clubs competing for screen time, competing with family situations. I know a number of members of my own particular home club, they have not been able to attend. They are not able to deal with their family situations. There's social media distractions. And of course, there's all kinds of other things online. I'm just wondering, in what ways do you think that specialty theme clubs might actually be a saving grace or an opportunity for some existing clubs? Well, I think there are two kind of ways to look at a specialty club. Well, for one thing, most of the specialty clubs that I spoke with are either dual membership or advanced clubs. For a lot of members, this is the second Toastmasters club. And so this is kind of the the fun one, if you will. If I just think of my own experience, if I've been sitting online, sitting on Zoom calls and meetings for eight hours, and then I look at my agenda and, oh, there's a club meeting tonight, you know, it takes a little bit of overcoming that inertia to hop on one more Zoom meeting. But if I know that it's something really fun, if I know that I'm going to get to watch a cooking demonstration or listen to a B-movie review, that's going to help me overcome that inertia. And so I think the more pure fun aspect that the specialty clubs bring can help people to overcome that, you know, the Zoom fatigue They've been at work all day, and yet this is just a this is a little a bright little glimmer in their evening that they can look forward to. So it's mostly advanced clubs, but I'm also thinking that it could also be an opportunity for community clubs or maybe even corporate clubs, maybe not to say, okay, we're going to totally change, become a specialty theme club, but maybe we could use some of the things that we talked about today. We talked about lens masters, and of course, in the article, it talks about offering a critique on the photographs, on photography, where perhaps some clubs could say, you know, maybe we might want to introduce a change in the way we do our table topics. So maybe it might even be just one aspect where they can offer a specialty-themed type environment to try to create that excitement, to try to find a way to differentiate their club from other clubs or to try to get people interested in joining their particular club. I think that's a great idea. And I think table topics is a nice, that's a, it's a perfect entry point because you're still maintaining the, the bulk of the traditional Toastmasters agenda. But if you throw a new, fun, technologically enabled table topics in there, it'll look good when you're, you can, you can put that on social media. You can build up some publicity around that and you can start drawing people in who might not be regular members or who might not be attending regularly and just build up a little bit more interest. I mean, it's a pretty low investment just to go in on a table topics. You don't have to completely change your your entire club's routine. Start small, see how it works. Yeah, it's a good start. I think there's a lot of opportunities there and I think we can. Uh, we're going to see a lot more coming up. Megan, as we approach the finish line here, I'd like to turn the spotlight on you for a moment and ask you to share a little bit more about your book series, The Supply Chain and FIFO Adventures. Can you tell us what that project is about? Sure. The Supply Chain and FIFO Adventures are a series of picture books for kids that aim to teach the concepts of operations management, supply chain, logistics, to an audience that probably hasn't encountered it quite yet. So the books are for, I would say, ages four to eight. They're fully illustrated. They have a purple-haired heroine and a canine companion. 
So they're perfect bedtime reading, especially if you're bored with, you know, the ravenous caterpillars and the <laughs> all of the, you know, the other stuff out there. It's a nice change to teach your kids about um, supply chain management. Which is a topic that you're obviously passionate about. So I'm sitting here wondering, when are we going to hear about supply chain Toastmasters? <laughs> oh my gosh, I had never thought of that. I might have to. <laughs> I will say here, I'm not sure if I've got the bandwidth to start up a specialty club, but if somebody else does and they start a supply chain Toastmasters, get in touch with me because I will be there. You've got a member in Zug, Switzerland, just waiting to join. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has been really exciting. And folks, if you found this episode exciting, I hope you did. I encourage you to please share it with your members, share it with your friends, share it with everybody you know. You can get the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. I'll also add, if you haven't noticed, today's mm -hmm. episode is number 199, which means our next episode is 200. And we've been running a pitch your podcast idea contest. And the winner of that, we are going to have right here on the show, speaking with us and speaking with you. So be sure to tune in for that. Megan Preston Meyer, thank you so much for joining us from Zug, Switzerland. I love to say that, Zug, <laughs> say it as many times as I can. It's been a real pleasure. And you've opened our minds to lots of new possibilities for Toastmasters clubs. Thank you so much, guys. This was really fun. Isn't it about time you publish that book you've been thinking about? We can help with that. At ebookit.com, we've been providing authors and small presses with ebook publishing services since 2010. Visit us today at ebookit.com and let us know how we can help you.